There's always that tense scene in a mafia movie when a new guy's coming to the gang. You know how it is? The gang is in their hideout. All the mafia guys smoke. For some reason, everybody in the mafia smokes. <laughs> the mafia guys are smoking, they're off the table. And these two guys walk in. They know one of them. They don't know the other one. They all look up, smoke curling around their eyes. This is a menacing moment. If somebody gets nervous, bullets could fly. So they say hello to the guy they know, and then they gesture to the other one. The guy they know now has the power of life and death. If he says he knows this guy and he's a good guy, he lives. He can get into the gang because he has vouched for him. If he says he followed me in here, this guy's dead. But you can't get in that gang unless somebody vouches for you. Unless somebody is willing to walk into the stronghold of the gang, cigarette smoke and all, and say, I know this guy. He's all right. Somebody has to open that door. Somebody has to vouch for you or you won't ever get in. Do you know what I've heard all of my life, that there are two ways to get into a Baptist church? Friendship and kinship. Somebody has to vouch for you. Somebody has to say, I know this person. Somebody has to say, yes, they're one of us. Yes, I have seen Jesus work in their life. It's the only way you get into the family, whether it's mafia or church. Somebody has to vouch for you. Hey, believe it or not, somebody had to vouch for the apostle Paul. Stand with me in honor of God's word as we read this story together. Now, this is to the end of chapter 9. Paul has been through the dramatic Damascus road. He has had Ananias lay hands on him. Now he has returned to Jerusalem. Now, when he arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him since they did not believe that he was a disciple. Barnabas, however, took him and brought him to the apostles and explained to them how Saul had seen the Lord on the road and the Lord had talked to him and how in Damascus he had spoken boldly in the name of Jesus. Now Saul was coming and going with them in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of Jesus. He conversed and debated the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. Now when the brothers found out, they took him down to Caesarea and then sent him back to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was strengthened living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, and it increased in numbers. Now jump to the end of chapter 11, verse 25. You read this verse. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to see Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year they met with the church and taught in large, taught large numbers so that the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. The disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. 
This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. Your work goes on. Help us catch up with you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. The first several chapters of Acts read so quickly that it's actually hard to keep up with them. Uh, Jesus appears to the disciples. He gives them the great commission. He tells them they're going to be the witnesses to the ends of the earth for his namesake. Pentecost happens. Uh, John and Peter are arrested and, and, and beaten. They still keep preaching. Uh, the deacons are selected. Stephen is martyred. Philip leads the Ethiopian uh, to Christ. Now Paul has been called. Paul the persecutor of the church, the one who was murdering Christians, now is a Christian and speaking boldly in the name of Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? We'll see. <laughs> see, I tell you this all the time. You and I have a list of people. Now, don't tell me you don't. I've been with you too long. All of us have a list of people in our little pocket of people that are too nasty, too bad, too ugly, too evil that even God can't save them. Okay, you got that list, right? And when all of a sudden you hear that somebody on your list has become a Christian, your first response is, right. There's a hook in here somewhere. They're trying to stay out of jail. Everybody gets Jesus when they're trying to stay out of jail. Okay, uh, they have been found in some scandal but the idea that Jesus would appear to somebody and change his ways in that moment, the literal moment of repentance, he was going one way, Jesus stopped him and turned around and walked him back the other way. You and I, okay, hold that thought. I want to talk to you. The fact of the matter is, the Christians in North America no longer believe that Jesus can save. I'm talking to you bluntly now. We do not believe that Jesus can heal addiction. We do not believe that, that Jesus can restore a marriage. We don't believe any of that. How do you know that? Because we're trying to pass laws. See, we've given up on the preaching of the gospel. Now we want to lobby our legislatures. Folks, we don't lobby the legislator and say, please consider our position. We prophesy to the legislature and say, this is what God said, deal with it. But you and I don't believe Jesus is enough anymore. The early church was shocked too. They had prayed that God would do something with Saul, who was persecuting the church, who had, rescued, who had persecuted someone, had arrested some of their friends, persecuted their neighbors, and now, please, Jesus, do something with Saul, and Jesus saves him. That's not what we were praying for. So he goes back to Jerusalem, tries to go to church. They won't let him in. 
they don't believe him. Barnabas, remember Barnabas? Barnabas, who was given the nickname Son of Encouragement. He vouches for Paul. He steps up to the church and says, I want you to know what's happened to my brother. And he vouches for him. And it's on Barnabas' word that Saul, to become Paul, becomes a member in the church in Jerusalem. The hero of the story is Barnabas, who used his own credibility with the congregation to tell the church in Jerusalem, leave him alone, he's all right. Based on that now, we have a ministry. Now notice, see, did you pay attention? Did you pay attention? Notice where Paul starts preaching. Where did he start preaching? In Jerusalem, to the Hellenistic Jews. Okay, did you see the difference that Luke gave us? Gives us a hint. Paul's mission is to the Gentiles. He's very comfortable with those who are comfortable in the Greek world. So those Jews in Jerusalem who had been influenced by the Greek philosophy, Greek way of living, that were called Hellenistic Jews, all of a sudden were having conversation with Paul. He was very comfortable in that world. Hint, hint, pay attention. We're going to see this again. He preached so well, they wanted to kill him. Now, buddy, that's preaching. <laughs> if during the invitation, they want you dead. I have never preached that well <laughs> in my entire life. The, the worst I've gotten from you is I wish you would hush. But I have never gotten, I wish you were dead. I never have gotten that. It's so bad they have to sneak him out of town. They sent him back to Tarsus where he grew up. And then Paul disappears from the story. What's Paul doing? Paul is studying. How do we know that? We know that from the way he quoted scripture in his letters. We know that by the way he quoted scripture in his sermons. We know that by the way he had worked out this great salvation history and this philosophy of God he had been studying. Now, I want you to pay attention to this. God did not call Paul and then make him the pastor of a church. God called him, trained him, gave him a family, and then made him pastor of a church. Some of you have the calling of teaching. You do not have the opportunity because you are not ready. You have the calling, you don't have the opportunity, it's because you have not prepared yourself for the moment that God can trust you in teaching. So, revival breaks out in Antioch. The church in Jerusalem hears about it. Wait a minute. What's going on in Antioch? Said, you see, everybody tries to stop Jesus. Everybody. The Roman government tried to stop Jesus. The church tried to stop Jesus. Jesus, go so fast. You can go here and go here. Don't go there. Everybody keeps trying to roll the stone back in front of the tomb. 
but it's too late. Jesus is gone. The rest of this story is everybody trying to catch up with Jesus. He's in Macedonia. He's in Antioch. Barnabas goes to Antioch. There's a real church here. These people know Jesus. They need to grow in their depth of their knowledge. They need a teacher. Not only do they need a teacher, they need somebody who knows scripture. They need somebody who understands their culture. They need somebody who's going to fit in Antioch. Barnabas has just the guy, and the first pulpit committee goes to Tarsus. Gets Saul, brings him back, and for a year, they teach. Their teaching is so effective that the first place people are called little Christ. Do you know that's what Christian means? Little Christ? The first place they are called this, the first place they are recognized as followers of Christ to this level, to this depth, that they're given a name for it, is Antioch. Where Paul had been teaching. Now, let's break this Alabama, let's break it down Alabama style. One, Jesus is always working. How many of you have heard that the church is, is failing in North America? How many of you read some kind of report about the church is, is, is falling? There's all kind of numbers that said people aren't going to church. People are da 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 Don't you believe it? Jesus is always working. You can't get the stone back in front of that tomb fast enough. He's gone, and he's looking for the lost sheep. Now, if we're not with him, doesn't mean Jesus will stop his work. Jesus is not looking for us to validate his work or to support his work. He's waiting for us to catch up. One, Jesus is always working. Did you write that now? Two, he always has leaders prepared when the moment is needed. Now, you have this old thing in the South about fixing to get ready. We're fixing to get ready. Some of you are leaders, teachers, prophets, biblical scholars, and you are fixing to get ready. What I mean by that? You go home, and instead of opening the scriptures and studying, you get on social media. You watch the evening news. You waste your time when you should be studying God's word for the time when God will call you to lead his church. It may be in the kitchen of your home. It may be in your favorite coffee shop. It may be in your favorite restaurant. It may be somewhere where you will be called to sit down and teach to the, to the end that everybody at that table is known as Christian. He's always preparing leaders. Now, leaders need to be validated. We're always looking for that leader. We're always looking 
to see whose God, whose hand God is on. It's never who you think it is. It's never who you think it is. When I was in South Carolina, I was, in a, I was at a point of burning out, went off, prayed. The story of Aaron and her holding Moses' arms up came to me, and I studied that passage, and the Lord told me, you're trying to do this all by yourself, and I never intended you for you to do it all by yourself. So in that conversation and that prayer, I said, Lord, send me three people, and here's how I will know. They will come up to me unbidden and say they pray for me. So I get that from them, I'll know they're in the group. First guy was the chair of the pulpit committee that brought me to First Baptist Malden. He said, I want you to know, Mike, I pray for you every day. I said, okay, Paul, you're one, I'll get back to you. <laughs> At the end of a prayer meeting, a Bible study one night, one of the quietest guys in our church, Larry, who was a respiratory therapist, came up, walked very slowly up to me and said, listen, he said, I don't know if you know this, but I, I love to hear you teach. And, you know, I, I just pray for you all the time. I pray for you every day, Mike. Okay, you're two. I'll get back to you. Nothing happened for a few days. Stopping on a friend of mine who was helping me with my house. <laughs> and I got up to leave. He said, sit back down. So I did. He said, listen, I need to tell you something. I said, okay. He said, when you came, I didn't like you. Great. So I was telling the Lord I didn't like you. And you know what he told me? I said, no, I got no clue. He said, I was, he told me I was wrong not to like you. Not only do I have to like you, I have to love you. Not only do I have to love you, I have to pray for you. So I want to tell you, I pray for you every day. And I said, you can't be three. So I called them together. We met every Wednesday morning at 6.30. Ray, the guy who didn't like me. First time we prayed together, he got on his knees in front of me, bowed his face to the floor and held on to my feet. Here's what's his prayer. I've never forgotten it. Jesus, my pastor, has asked me to pray for him. Now you know and I know I can't do this. So Jesus, will you come kneel next to me and help me pray for my pastor? Jesus is always working. Jesus is always preparing his leaders. Those leaders need to be identified and validated. The spirit working in you will tell you who they are. Now, you're going to tell me, Mike, I, 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 I'm, I'm not qualified, I'm not the best. You don't have to be the best. Okay, I want you to pay attention to this. You don't have to be the best at what you do to be the best person for the job. 
You have to be the best person for that moment. Okay? Why didn't Peter go to Antioch? Peter wasn't the best person. Peter didn't understand the Hellenistic culture. Why didn't Barnabas do it? Wasn't Barnabas' calling. So Barnabas goes and finds the unique person who can fit there. Paul. You may not be the best at what you do. You simply may be the best person to do what you do in the place Jesus wants you to get it done. Which means there's a place for you. There's something for you to do to help this church accomplish its mission of reaching people and growing churches. So you're in a couple of different places, but you're somewhere. One, you have the calling, but not the opportunity, which means you need to get prepared. So at the end of the service, head to the Welcome Center, look for Eddie, look for Paul, look for Roger, and say, listen, I think I have this calling. I need to get prepared to do it. Two, you have the calling. You are prepared. You need the place. Head to the Welcome Center. Look for Fawdy. Look for Stephen. We have places we can help you get so that we can know you're the best person in the best place. Three. Some of you are called and you know it. You don't want to do it. You've been fighting it. And now here I am calling you out. You have said for whatever reason, maybe you've been hurt in a previous church. Uh, maybe you tried something and you failed. And so you have made a decision. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to go to church, but I'm not going to do anything. Okay. You won't even raise your hand during worship because you're afraid we're going to call on you. Okay. I know you. It's all right. Okay. Find us. Head of the Welcome Center, find us. Let us help you either get to the training or to the place of ministry where you can make a difference. All of you are called to walk with God, and when you walk with God, you're going to be walking with him as he looks for his lost sheep. Maybe you're here. This is the first time you've heard about a relationship with Jesus where you're needed, where you can make a difference. You've been looking for purpose. You've been looking for hope. And now you're hearing about it in a relationship you don't quite understand. That's okay. I don't expect you to. I'm saying a whole lot in just a handful of words. Head to the Welcome Center and you find us. Okay? Our, our ministers will be there. We're looking forward to carrying on this conversation. Now... Travis is going to lead us in a hymn. We're going to stand 
If you are one of these people, you get to the Welcome Center. When Travis finishes, we're going to sit back down as a church body, and we need to hear a report from our trustees. But listen, don't let all of that clutter you. If you're called now, if you know the Lord is asking something of you, don't wait. You head to the Welcome Center. We'll meet you there. Let's stand together now.